Hello and welcome to the Hot Rod Bible Study. Tonight we are going to complete our study in Matthew 18 and we'll dive into 19 a little bit as well. Uh, hope everybody's 4th of July went well. We had a really nice turnout for the Packin House uh, Church 4th of July show. Uh, it was It was really good. It, it really was. And it's a couple degrees cooler than it was the year before. Still hot, but it's still pretty neat. We had a, we had a great time. A um, couple of people, well, one guy that I know in particular uh, gave his life to Christ. And that was, that was monumental. And uh, if I tell you his name, but I don't need to do that. But if you, those who know who he is, it's a monumental thing. And God is good because they move in our lives like that. Because he moves in our lives like that. And he uses us to touch others. You know, it's not that we're very bright. It's that he uses us where he places us. So it's a pretty neat deal. It was a great, great time. Got to see some good friends of mine and just had a great time. Okay, again, tonight we're in Matthew 18, starting at the 21st verse. So let's, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the, uh, the ability to be here to study your word. Uh, again, open our hearts and minds to your word. And again, keep Willie Martin out of the way. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, here we are. Matthew 18, verse 21, it says, Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall I forgive my brother my brothers, how often shall my brother, pardon me, shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times. Jesus said, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. But as he was not able to pay, the master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had, that payment may be made. The servant therefore fell down before him saying, Master, have patience with me and I will pay you all. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him and forgave him the debt. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii and laid his hands on him and took him by the throat saying, pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him saying, have patience with me and I will pay you all. And he would not. But he went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved and came and told the master all that had been done. Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you? His master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. So, my heavenly Father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. 
Now it came to pass when Jesus had finished these things that he departed from Galilee and came to the region of Judea beyond the Jordan. And great multitudes followed him, and he healed them there. The Pharisees also came and testing him and saying, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for just any reason? And he answered and said to them, Have you not read that he who made them in the beginning made them male and female? And said, For this reason a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become flesh. So then they are no longer two but one flesh. Therefore what God has joined together, let not man separate. They said to him, Why then did Moses command to take a certificate of divorce and put her away? He said to them, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, permitted you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning it was not so. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality, and marries another, commits adultery. And whoever marries her is who is divorced commits adultery. His disciples said to him, if such is the case of the man with his wife, it's better not to marry. And he said to them, all cannot accept this saying, but only those to whom it's been given. For there are eunuchs who were born thus from their mother's womb. And there are eunuchs who were made eunuchs by men. And there are eunuchs who have made themselves eunuchs for the kingdoms of heaven's sake. He is able, he who is able to accept it, let him accept it. Okay, that's quite a bit. We'll see. We got to see here. Okay. Now it's, you will see here that, that Peter is responding to Jesus' teaching on forgiveness, like the last, last few uh, verses, last bit of 18. Okay, and it says, Then Peter said to them and said, Lord, how often shall my... Often shall my brother sin against me, and I forgive him. Up to seven times. And seven times, again, is the number of completion or uh, the number of creation. Uh, and here's Peter thinking, boy, aren't I pretty neat? Seven times, because, you know, the, the rabbis at the time pretty much said three is max. Three is about all you need to forgive your Forgive your uh, those who sinned against you. And so Peter's thinking he's pretty tough by sin seven times, right? But in verse 22, Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Pretty much unlimited, because I'm absolutely sure that Jesus wasn't saying, well, you can forgive him up to 490 times, but that 491st time, no, you don't have to forgive him. No, he's just pretty much... Again, this is hyperbole because who's going to keep count up to 490 times for one thing? And Jesus is saying it's an unlimited amount of time. Now, forgiveness doesn't mean that you have to go hang out with them and allow them to do all this stuff again. But if your brother sins against you, you're called to forgive. Okay, verse 23 says, Therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Now, that doesn't seem like, oh, much to us. Actually, 
In today's money, it's over 60 million bucks, right? That's a lot of money. But as he was unable to pay, the servant was unable to pay, his master commanded that he be sold and his wife and children all and all that he had and that payment be made. Now at this time, the going rate for a high-class servant was, was one talent. Now realize that he owed his master, what was it? 10,000 talents. Okay, so you got to figure the master is ready to settle for pennies on the dime. I mean, on the dollar, pardon me. About ready to do that. Okay, but what happens? The servant, therefore, fell down before him, saying, Master, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. Charles Spurgeon says about this, Many a poor sinner is very rich in resolutions. This servant debtor thought he only needed patience, but what he needed was forgiveness. Hmm, that's something, and again, this is the thing that we look in, in the Scripture and see what's really being said to us. You know, I need from Jesus, I need forgiveness. I need his patience, surely, but I need forgiveness because I'm unable to work this debt off. Okay, now, then the servant, pardon me, the master of that servant was moved with compassion. There's that word keeps coming up. And he released him and forgave him the debt. That compassion is just what we've been reading about. Jesus healing everybody that comes to him, right? He has compassion on him. And Jesus has compassion on us. Uh, he not only heals us, but he heals us of our sin, which is more so than a than a physical healing. We need healing from our sin. Verse 28 goes on to say, but that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. Now, one day's wage was a denarii. So this servant owed him oh, about a hundred days wages instead of the 60 million bucks, the 10,000 talents, right? Okay. And he laid his hands on him and took him by the throat, throttling him. Think about that. Okay, throttling him, saying, pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, get this, have patience with me and I will pay you all. The exact same thing that the, the, the servant debtor uh, said to his master. But in verse 30, it says, and he would not, but went and threw him into prison until he should pay the debt. Hmm. Showing no mercy and no forgiveness. So his fellow servants saw what had been done. They were very grieved and they came and told their master all that had been done. Uh, you know, although the uh, servant debtor uh, received compassion and received forgiveness. I guess he didn't see the contradiction in himself not doing the same thing. Okay, uh, very self-centered, and this is something that we can run into all the time. Is, is people, what's best for me? What do I get out of this? You know, it's not necessarily what's best for others, and the, this is what. Jesus is teaching on here is having compassion, doing what's best for others. 
uh, receiving forgiveness. And, you know, it's because Christ forgave us of so much, we also forgive. Okay. Now, then his master, after he had called him, said to him, you wicked service servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me, again, over $60 million in today's money, and you should you not have had, there's that word keeps coming up, compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you. His master was angry, delivered him over to the torturers, that he should pay all that was due to him, which would have been impossible. Sorry, it would have been impossible to pay off that 10,000 talents or $60 million debt. So what this was is this servant was doomed to eternal punishment, just as we are if we deny Christ. Again, you see what's going on here. Jesus is saying this is how we ought forgive others, and this is also how we have been forgiven, and we need to carry that on. So, verse 35 says, So my heavenly Father also will do to you, to each, pardon me, do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. You've probably heard the Lord's Prayer before, and that's a big deal. You know, that's kind of interesting on that. Forgive us our trespasses in the manner in which we forgive others' trespasses. Ooh, that puts a lot of onus on us, doesn't it? Hmm. Okay, here in uh, Luke chapter 6, verse 36, this is really how it... Um, uh, sums it up. It says, therefore, be merciful just as your Father also is merciful. There is our example. All right, now on to chapter 19. And the he heading here is marriage and divorce. This is a kind of a tough teaching, uh, but it's not. When you recognize you know, I admittedly have been divorced twice. Not one of my shining moments. Uh, but I have to say that when I was going through divorce and I'm reading my daily devotional, and then there's the heading over on the other other uh, page, on the facing page, it says divorce. I thought, okay, Lord, give it to me. Oh, you know, both barrels, I deserve it. But what it did is it spoke to my heart and gave me some comfort. So here we are. Now it came to pass, when Jesus had finished these sayings, that he departed from Galilee and came to the region of the Judea, of Judea beyond the Jordan. Now this is on the eastern side of Jordan called the region of Perea, Perea, uh, it's about 60 miles from where he was, okay? And the great multitudes followed him, and he healed them there. This is a reoccurring theme. Don't we keep seeing this? The great multitudes follow him, and he heals them where 
they are. And guess what? He's there. They didn't have to travel from this region to Jerusalem to go to the pool of Salome, right? Isn't that right? Yeah. To, to get healed. They, Jesus was there and healed them where they were just as he heals us where we are. So verse three says the Pharisees, I like to say they're back because here they come again, right? Also came to him and boy, listen to this, testing him and saying to him, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for just any reason? Now, William Barclay has a bunch of interesting stuff on this. I think you might get a kick out of it. I did. Their low view of women meant that their high ideal of marriage was constantly compromised. Those compromises were made into law as with the thinking of Rabbi Hillel, who under the thinking of Hillel, a man could divorce his wife if she spoiled his dinner, if she spun or went with unbound hair or spoke to men in the streets if she spoke disrespectfully of his parents and his presence, or if she was a brawling woman whose voice could be heard in the next house. Rabbi Akaba even went to the length of saying that a man could divorce his wife if he found a woman whom he liked better and considered more beautiful. <laughs> Barclay keeps on, goes on to say that the rabbis had so many sayings about bad marriages and the bad wife. They said that the man with a bad wife could never face hell because he had paid for his sins on earth. He said that the man who is ruled by his wife has a life that is not a life. They said that a bad wife is like leprosy to her husband, and the only way that he could be cured is by divorce. And he even said that if a man has a bad wife, it is his religious duty to divorce her. You keep seeing all this stuff about the bad wife. How about the bad husband? Hmm, of course, again, low view of women, this entire deal. And it's, it's, it's just something that the Pharisees, listen, listen to what they keep going on to say. Um, Jesus says this, we're going to get there. Verse 7 is the one I was looking for. But anyway, we're going on to verse 4. It says, and he answered and said to them, Have you not read that he who made them in the beginning made them male and female? And for this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become flesh. You know, sending them back to Scripture, sending them back all the way to Genesis where it's said in there. And these are the religious leaders. And what are they doing? The same junk they do all the time is they go to their traditions as opposed to Scripture. What does that say for us? Same thing. If we end up being somewhere where tradition trumps Scripture, it's time for us to vomit oats. No thank you, because Scripture trumps it all. Now, verse 6. So, when they are no longer two but one Flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. You ever heard that before? You have probably heard it in uh, time and time again in a religious, well, in a marriage ceremony. And that's really it. What God has joined together, not what man has joined together, what God has joined together, let not man separate. Or put asunder in old 
uh, King James, Old English, King James type of thing. Now, here's what I just really get a kick out of. They said to them, to him, they being the Pharisees, said to Jesus, why then did Moses command to give a certificate of divorce and to put her away? I love Jesus' reply. He said to them, Moses, because of the hardness of your heart, permitted. Remember, here we go. They said he commanded. No, he permitted it. Permitted you to divorce your wives, but from the beginning it was not so. Why did he permit this? It's because of the hardness of their hearts. Dave Guzik says, Sometimes the heart of the offending party is hard, and they will not do what must be done to reconcile the relationship. Sometimes the heart of the offended party is hard, and they refuse to reconcile and get past the offense, even when there is contrition and repentance. Often the hardness of heart is on both sides. Hmm. Yep. So... Here, I like it. The Pharisees, why did Moses command this? Moses did not command. Moses permitted. Why? Because of the hardness of their hearts. Now, verse 9. And I say to you, not Moses, but Jesus, the Son of God, God incarnate, there says, I say to you, whoever divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality and marries another, commits adultery, and whoever marries her who is divorced commits adultery. Uh, the weak, Greek word here uh, for sexual immorality is pornea. Where do you think we get the word pornography from, right? And what it means is adultery. Okay, now, again, Guzik has this. He says, we also remember what the Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians. As the Lord has called each one, let him walk. In the context, one of Paul's ideas with this statement was a warning about trying to undo the past in regards to relationships. God tells us to repent of whatever sin there is and to move on. If you are married to your second wife after wrongfully divorcing your first wife and become a Christian, don't think you must now leave your second wife and go back to your first wife trying to undo the past that has been forgiven. As the Lord has called you, walk in that place now. Hmm. Okay, now, his disciples said, and this boy, this sounds like a, a knee-jerk reaction, but here he said, here they say, if such the case, if such is the case of the man with his wife, it's better not to marry Here's a little bit from Proverbs 21, 19, where it says, Better to dwell in the wilderness than with a contentious and angry woman. Now, what that really means is, submit yourself to the Lord and have him choose for you instead of using other means. That's as far as I'll go on it. Now, verse 11 says, But, he said to them, all cannot accept this saying, but only those to whom it has been given. For there are eunuchs who were born thus from their mother's womb. 
And there are eunuchs who are made eunuchs by men. You've probably heard of this in Old Testament times. I don't know that it's still going on today. Uh, but yes, uh, you can remember the Ethiopian eunuch that, uh, what, who was it? Rats. No, one of the, the apostles, you know, the spirit told the apostle, why don't you go over there and see if you can talk to that Ethiopian eunuch and see what he's doing where he's reading the book of Isaiah. And the guy says, hey, do you understand what you're reading here? And the eunuch says, how can I? Unless somebody, somebody explains it to me. So he did. Okay. But that was the deal. And being made into a eunuch keeps you from going off and diddling around with the king's harem. Okay. And there are eunuchs who have made themselves eunuch for the kingdom of heaven's sake. Who is able to accept it? Let him accept it. Now, this shouldn't be viewed as a forced celibacy for those who are in ministry. This is not the intention. Now, when Paul taught on this, you know, he, he taught on this as well, uh, that it's probably better if you don't marry. Paul was married when he was Saul. Wait a minute, that doesn't seem right. Yeah, to be a Pharisee, one of the things required is to be married. Paul uh, defined himself as a Pharisee of Pharisees. Okay. I have a pretty good idea when he uh, got away from persecuting Christians and became one, his wife split. Okay. We know that Peter was married because they talk about going into his mother-in-law's house there in Galilee. Okay. Now, the only reason I, I in my estimation, that Paul was trying to tell those who are going into ministry that's probably better if you don't get married was because of all the violence that was acted upon those who are believers, especially the apostles. Apostle meaning those sent out. Okay. All the violence that happened. And this is something that we need to sometimes review. Now, this is really something. Matthew, who God used to pen this, was beheaded with a sword. Mark died in Alexandria after being dragged through the streets of the city. Luke was hanged on an olive tree in Greece. John died a natural death, death but this is what I always like as a caveat, is, but they unsuccessfully tried to boil him in oil. Wow. Okay. Peter was crucified upside down in Rome. James was beheaded in Jerusalem. James the less was thrown from a height and then beaten with clubs. Philip was hanged. Bartholomew, Bartholomew was whipped and beaten until death. Andrew was crucified and preached at the top of his voice to his persecutors until he died. Thomas was run through with a spear. Jude was killed with the arrows of an executioner. Matthias was stoned and beheaded, as was Barnabas. And again, our hero Paul was beheaded in Rome. Uh, this is the reason why Paul was really teaching on this. It'd be better if you didn't get married. A side note on this. 
You know, we've had all these years where people say, oh, Jesus didn't really get raised from the dead. The disciples pulled him out of the grave and did all this, paid off the the uh, guys that were guarding the joint and all this kind of stuff. And he really didn't get, you know, uh, he never was resurrected and all this. Why would each of these guys suffer this kind of death for a known lie? They, what, did they, what did they get out of it? Actually, they, they lost friends and relatives. They were persecuted beyond all belief up until being martyred. But again, with the exception of John. And, and he was boiled in oil. I don't see that as being something that was really great. Why would these guys go to this kind of death knowingly for a lie? They wouldn't. Again, more proof that Jesus is who he claimed to be. What is it that uh, C.S. Lewis said? He's either Lord, lunatic, or liar. That's all you can figure with Jesus, either Lord or lunatic or a liar. And because you had to be crazy to complain, be, to claim to be the son of God, or had to be a liar about all these things. What do we go? We go back to scripture. How many prophecies, Old Testament prophecies were fulfilled by Jesus? Well, over 320 of them. Okay. And again, it's astronomical. Uh, the, um, the uh, odds of even getting three prophecies fulfilled. So big deal. So here we are. Jesus is telling us about how we should forgive those who have sinned against us. Tells us how we should uh, act in relationships. Uh, and if we are less than thick-headed, which numbskull I can be if we follow these. That's why we're doing Bible study, to know how we should be living, you know. And, we, and the big thing is to know that we should submit to Jesus. But that's the deal. If we do these things, it's better for us. You know, like somebody used to say, oh, the Ten Commandments, man, that's just to keep your their, their thumb on you. Well, if you know what they are, it kind of keeps you from lying, committing adultery, murdering, stealing, taking God's name in vain, go on down the line, man, you know, coveting, wanting something so bad that you steal it from your neighbor. You know, it's just rules for, for life. All right, with that, questions, comments, or smart aleck remarks? Jim did good on uh, insect repellent, throwing a shoe at it earlier this evening, which was a lot of, oh, but it died of, of it fright. It seems not to be moving. <laughs> <laughs> uh, with that, again, uh, I, seriously, if you have any prayer requests, if you have any questions of me, please, please don't uh, hesitate to get in contact with me because I really desire to have something here that you can take with you and, uh, and know that this is what the Word of God is telling me. With that, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.